the reading today, we're continuing Madison Multiply's sermon series, Prayers for Our City. And our scripture reading today is Acts 4, 1 through 31. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Cephas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David and your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. 
Well, thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you all today. My name is Zach, and uh, I'm from Iowa, just like Nate, Pastor Nate. Nate and I went to college together. If you want to hear any crazy stories of what he was like 25 years ago, just let me know. Um, but it's, it's a joy to be with you guys this morning. I'm here with my two youngest kids, and I've got four kids, uh, 20, 18, 16, 14. Been married to Kim for 25 years. And I've um, been a pastor at the Vine in Madison for a little over 13 years now. And it's just a real blessing, I just want to say this right off the bat, just to be here. Um, when Nate, Pastor Nate, came with myself and another pastor um, to plant the Vine 13 years ago, and we wanted to be a church planting church, that was our desire. We didn't know how that was going to happen. And there's a, Nate could tell you the story, but a lot of ups and downs for him to be able to plant Redeemer City Church around nine years ago. And, man, I'm just, one of the things we're going to look at in our text is, is God's people looking to the past and remembering what God has done for the sake of boldness moving into the future. And just standing here right now is, is one of those ways for my own heart. Right? When, when you look to the past and see what God has done, and nine years later, here we are, Redeemer City Church exists, and it's doing well. I, I don't spend a lot of time with you guys, but I hear a lot from Nate. We, we, we office in the same building, and testimonies about what God is doing and looking at your announcements and all that you guys are doing as a church. And so um, I just want you to see that, even though most of you weren't even around uh, nine years ago, but see the faithfulness of God um, in, in the life of Redeemer City Church. And I don't want you to miss that. Uh, it, there, was, there was no Redeemer City Church nine years ago, and now there is. And so that, that's a huge encouragement for my heart, and it really connects to what we're going to see coming out of the early church 2,000 years ago, a long ways away from here in our text for today. So that being said, um, Madison Multiply Preaching Series, Prayers for Our City. And for those of you who are new, you might not know what Madison Multiply is. Madison Multiply is three churches that desires to see churches planted here in Madison. Hence the name Madison Multiply Network. And so it's the Vine Church and then Redeemer City Church and then the, the church that the Vine most recently planted, uh, Eastside Church about three years ago, and, and we are a, a gathering of churches led by different pastors and elders that desires to see multiplication of churches, and we're praying that that would continue to happen, that there would be more than just three churches, that there would be more than that, and so every August we kind of rotate and, and remind one another of our identity by visiting different churches and preaching a, a thematic sermon series in the month of August. And this time we're talking about five biblical prayers. Five biblical prayers that call us to have God's heart for his kingdom to come in Madison as it is in heaven. So in this series, I, I don't remember where you guys are in the series because it's different at all the different churches. Um, but the five things that, that you will have thought about and heard about from God's word in these five weeks, last, next week will be the, the last one, are boldness, 
unity, justice, mercy, and more laborers to be sent out. Those are the five weeks in this. We're praying. We want to stir you up from God's word to be praying for Madison when it comes to boldness and unity and justice and mercy and more laborers. And the whole goal here, uh, Pastor Ben at Eastside, he wrote this out, and I think this is a great goal. He said, our goal is to saturate Madison and Dane County with healthy gospel-centered churches who are making disciples, engaging their communities, and planting more churches. So in light of that, if you have a Bible, open it up to the scripture that was read this morning, Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to be talking to us today about boldness in evangelism. Boldness in evangelism. And the section of scripture that was read is very, very instructive for us. As we think about how they did it 2,000 years ago and some themes that correspond to our lives a long ways away from where they were, a long time after they prayed this, but yet it still applies to us. So here's the main point for today. You're going to hear me repeat this, and I want you to walk out of here today remembering this, if you can. Main point for today is this spirit-filled, resurrection-focused boldness in evangelism. So spirit-filled, resurrection-focused boldness in evangelism results in what? It brings about resistance and a conversion response. Let me say that again. Spirit-filled, this is what's going to jump out of the text today, hopefully. Spirit-filled, resurrection-focused boldness in evangelism brings about resistance and a conversion response. Okay? So let's look at these opening verses together. I'm going to read it again. Look at it with me. Put your eyes on the text, all right? Verse 1 of chapter 4 in the book of Acts. And they were speaking, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Notice the emotion here. Greatly annoyed. Greatly annoyed. Why? Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So the followers of Jesus are, are just simply sharing the gospel. This is another way of you know, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So look, look at what Luke has emphasized here. Luke's the author of the book of Acts. Verse 2, look at it. He's emphasizing that the main thing that they're talking about in their declaration is that Jesus was raised from the dead, and if you're connected to him, you'll be raised from the dead as well for eternal life. Okay? In Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. So if this was central to their preaching, to their sharing, not that you have to preach, but to their sharing of the gospel, if this resurrection, this fact of history was central should it not be central for us as well? And you're going to see that if you read through the book of Acts. I just challenge you to sit down sometime and just do it. You'll see this jump out in all of the preaching in the book of Acts. Different sermons. You'll see the historical fact of the resurrection being emphasized. Okay? The resurrection is everything. The resurrection is everything. If, if Jesus just died on a cross... And that's it? He's just one 
of thousands, tens of thousands of people crucified by the Romans. Not that big a deal. But if Jesus is raised from the dead after being crucified by the Romans, then he's one of one. He is one of one. The most unique man in all of history, the most unique event in all of history. And that's what the apostles are advocating for. That's what they're testifying to. That's what's central in their sharing about, what's this Christianity thing all about? Well, ultimately, it's about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And that has to be central. But notice the response to the centrality of this message that the leaders of this ancient church received. What did we say? Were they, were they happy about it? Were they excited about it? No. What does it say? It says they were greatly annoyed. Not just a little bit annoyed. Greatly annoyed. Why, why do you think that is? I think it probably has something to do with It's hard to be apathetic about news like that, right? If it's true, Jesus actually rose from the dead, then Jesus is the real deal. And what he taught was the real deal, and it would have implications for all of our lives, right? If you just think of some random fact from history like the Magna Carta was signed on this date, or you know, this war was fought in this place on this date. You can rattle off any number of historical events that have taken place in our world. A lot of those from where we sit today, it's like, eh, whatever, like, what, what is that really, that doesn't have much bearing on my life. But if Jesus claims to be God and is raised from the dead, proving it all true, if you think about it and don't just squash it or diminish it or, or suppress it, that has implications for our lives. Because then what he said is true about heaven and hell and life and death and eternity and joy and what it means to have life. Well, a lot of us, maybe you can even remember before you became a Christian, that news, those implications might have kind of rubbed you the wrong way, kind of graded on you a little bit. And that's, and that's very normal. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. So in light of being annoyed, what do they do? What do these, lead, these, these religious leaders do? Verse 3. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So jail time. This is real persecution. Verse 4, but many of those, now look at the opposite. They're, they're in tandem here. You got, you got real suffering. You got, imagine Pastor Nate thrown in prison. That would, that would throw Redeemer City Church off. That would be jarring, right? Well, that's what's happening here. But at the same time, in light of this chaos and this worry and this stress, leaders going to prison, leaders being held, what happens? It, in parallel time, but many of those who had heard and the word believed, and check out these revival numbers. The number of the men 
just men, probably others, women and kids, the men alone came to about 5,000. So this is like, like pastors going to prison and we're having a revival at the same time. Like, that's pretty wild. But what do we have? We got resistance and we got a, a conversion response. Resistance and response. Resistance and response. Jail time, mass conversions. Resistance and response. And, and these are always the outcomes. The gospel going out always stirs these things up. It always has, it always will. Some are going to like the message and they're going to respond to it in repentance and faith. It's the way it's always been. And some are going to be really persecuted. Jesus promised this. That's the way it's always been. So don't let resistance like squash your enthusiasm to share your faith. Jesus promised it. It's always going to be the case. He promises to be with us in it. But here's the deal. If we're not bold, if we're not bold, there might not be a response. Right? Because the Bible says, Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So if there's no bold speaking, there might not be a conversion response. All right? So we cannot ever let the resistance cause us to close our mouths. Okay? So what do we have so far? What we've seen is resurrection focus, boldness in evangelism, has brought about resistance and a conversion response. Okay? Let's keep going. Verse 5. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. So that's just the leaders that have put these guys in, in, in prison. With Annas the high priest, so that's a lot of authority, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. So these are, these are high-powered people that can make high-powered decisions. And all who are of the high priestly family, verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst of them, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Let's stop right there. So verse 7, when they, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now there's a backstory here that we didn't read. And that comes in chapter 3. You can go back and read it. But Peter and John, they heal this guy who is lame. <clears throat> and that stirs up a lot of stuff. And the religious leaders... Always want control. They don't want things stirring up. They don't want to mess up the status quo. And so they're ticked off about this. But then this comment, so they're called to account for this. How did this happen? What's going on? What's up with you guys? And then this comment in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, comma, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now that, that comment from Luke Filled with the Holy Spirit, that's not incidental. He's not just filling the page, you know, with some words. It's vital, filling of the Spirit. It's absolutely vital. And what he's going to say here 
what, what, what Peter's going to say in a second that we're going to see very, very bold is a result of being filled with the Spirit. So it's like filled with the Spirit connects to boldness. Filled with the Spirit connects to speaking the truth to people that have the power to put you in prison. Filled with the Spirit is no shame. I'm going to tell them the truth. That's what Luke wants us to see. Filling of the Holy Spirit equals boldness. But here's the challenge for some of us. For some of us, this isn't a challenge for you at all. Some of you in the room, this is a challenge for you. Like you can be bold, but if you're bold and lacking the filling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, you might just end up a buffoon, right, instead of being bold. Like we all, we all know, we've seen this, a lot of you have seen this in your life. Yeah, he's bold, but he's boldly an idiot, right? Yeah, he's bold, but bold like a bull in a china shop. But see, the leading, the, the, the filling, and the, which uh, along with the filling comes the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That prevents you from being a jerk, from being unwise. But make no mistake, filling will lead to boldness. But it also prevents you from just lacking in wisdom when it comes to how you share your faith. And that's what's testified to here. Look at what Peter says at the end of verse 8. <clears throat> so here's what Peter says. Here's his spirit-filled boldness. Here's his testimony. Rulers of the people and elders, he says, if we, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, back in chapter 3, By what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God, here it is again, resurrection, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Who gets the credit? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So real simple here, this is just a great gospel presentation. There's a lot of ways you can share the gospel that, that, are, that are wise, that are good, but it should never be less than what we have here, right? L- look at what's emphasized. Verse 10, Jesus was crucified raised from the dead, and that news demands a response. Crucifies, raised from the dead, what do you think? Are you willing to repent and believe? Crucified, raised from the dead, response. And they're just saying here, look at verse 12, there's no other name. This is not politically correct. This is not all religions are just kind of the same thing, lead to the same path. They all have the same ethics, and it really doesn't matter what you believe. That's not the message of Christianity. That's not the message of the ancient apostles, the, 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 the first church planters sent out by Jesus. It was exclusive in this sense. There is no other name. And inclusive in this sense, all are welcome. 
But it's not. It's not salvation in personal autonomy. It's not salvation in self-help, self-actualization, do more, try harder, you can just be a better person. No salvation in that. There's no salvation in, in the cultural dogmas of our day. There's no salvation in Muhammad or Buddha or Mormonism or, or JWs. There's no salvation in trying to perfectly keep the law. Apostolic Christianity has always been and always will be salvation in only being united to Jesus Christ when you come to him in repentance and trusting faith. That's what verse 12 says. See? That's it. That's the message of Christianity. Our evangelism has to have that in some sense. Or it's not probably filled with the Spirit, nor is it bold. Nor is there probably anything to really respond to. Like, like all religions kind of believe the same things. Or maybe go to a Unitarian church. It's like, whatever you want to believe, there's nothing to respond to there. Right? But the Bible says if anybody teaches anything other than verse 12, may they be accursed. Here's the point. Spirit-filled, resurrection-focused, boldness in evangelism brings about resistance and a conversion response. That's what we've seen. Verse 13. Let's keep going. Now when they saw the boldness, there's that word again. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that encouraging to you? Like, that's encouraging to me. Just kind of as a side note, this isn't in my notes, but I just want to encourage you guys with it. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I don't feel that special most of the days. You might think I can stand up here and talk, and, and I've been a pastor, I'm 47, been in ministry a long time. Like, I mean, Nate would know this because he knows me really well. Amanda would know this. My kids would know this. Like, I'm a mess a lot of the time. Like, I, I don't get out of bed just like, rah, for the kingdom of God, you know. I just feel like an ordinary dude. A lot of you people here today feel really ordinary. Like, could God even really use me? I mean, look at who Jesus uses here. I mean, Peter, I mean, Peter's a rock star in this text. He was a mess. Like, Peter wouldn't be an elder candidate at our church. I wouldn't let him. I mean, for real. And, and the text says, these are just normal dudes. But they're filled with the Spirit. They're asking for more of the Spirit. And we'll see that. But be encouraged by that today. Just, just know that. God can use you more than you could ever imagine in your normalness. Because when you're normal, what happens? Then you know for sure it's God's power that's doing it. And not your flashy rhetoric or your straight A's or all the money you make or whatever. Your ability to be persuasive. God gets the glory from that. God loves to use normal people. He doesn't need your resume. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived they were uneducated. These are just common guys. 
And they're in awe of like, how, what, these common, just normal dudes are healing somebody? They recognize they've been with Jesus. So if you were reading this text up to this point, where would you say their boldness comes from? Well, I would say what jumps off the page is they believe that Jesus died and was rose again. That's what they testified to. Fact of history. And that they're filled with the Spirit. Jesus died, raised from the dead. They believe it. And as a result, they're filled with the Spirit. That's how all of this is happening. Spirit-filled, resurrection-focused, boldness and evangelism brings about resistance and a conversion response. Verse 14 But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign had been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So they're just saying the evidence is clear. The evidence is clear. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. Now this is fascinating. It might not jump right off the page to you, but, but look at what's happening here. It's very instructive for us as we think about boldness and evangelism. They confess to one another that they can't deny the evidence, right? That it's as black and white as could be, and everybody's a witness to it. Dude was crippled, and now he's healed. I mean, it's black and white. Can't deny the evidence. But here's the interesting part, and I think it's very insightful for us as we think about sharing our faith. You would think that that black and white evidence... In, done in the name of Jesus, crippled, now healed, would cause them to respond in repentance and faith, right? They don't do that, though, do they? Why is that? Like, we all put ourselves in their shoes, right, and go, well, if I was there, if I actually saw it, of course I would repent and believe and follow Jesus. What's up with these guys? They don't do that. They know it's a fact, and they want to squash it as fast as possible. So what does that teach us about the human heart? What does that tell you about the human heart of some, your own human heart maybe, but also someone that you're sharing your faith with, that you would love to see become a Christian? It's this. When you're sharing your faith, you'll never logic someone into the kingdom of God. You're never going to be able to like back someone into a logical corner and now it's like, checkmate, now you have to become a Christian. That's not how this works. In, in one sense, that's challenging. In another sense, it's really freeing because you can't make anyone a Christian. That's God's job. Your job is to be faithful to share. See, the leaders here in this text, and think about this with your own heart, they know the logic, they know the truth conceptually, right? They will assent 
to the fact of what happened. Their thinking is correct. They believe that it's true. They have the right thinking. But remember, always remember this when you're, when you're sharing your faith. It's not always what people think. You can know conceptually that something is true and, and then what? And still hate it. Right? Some of you are like, I don't get it. Well, let me, let me seek to convince you. You ever been in a, in a conflict with your spouse if you're married? Or maybe a brother and sister? Or maybe a roommate? Close friend? Happens, this happened to me for about 25 years. I've been married 25 years, right? And you get in this conflict, and you got your perspective, and she's got hers. And finally, you're, you're working it out, you're wrestling through it verbally, and it's like, shoot, she got me. She's right. Now, in that moment, do I stand there and go, praise God for the truth. Honey, I love you, and, and I, I, I was blind, and now I see. I just rejoice in the truth, and I just couldn't see it, and now I can. No, it's like, dang it, she's right. And it, just, oh, it just irks you, right? Like, in that moment, I'm not rejoicing in the truth. I know conceptually that she's right, but I, in the moment, I hate it. Because what? I want to be right. I don't want the truth as much as I want to be right. I don't want the truth as much as I want to be in control. That shows the disconnect between what I think and how I feel, what I think and what I desire. That's what's happening in the text with these religious leaders. That's what happens in our hearts. That's what happens when you share your faith with people. They might be able to go, cool, Jesus rose from the dead, but what's the implication for my life? That means my personal autonomy is over. That doesn't sound very good. I might know he raised from the dead, but I don't desire those implications. It's not always about what you think as much as what you desire. So we have to remember that when we share our faith. We have to remember the human heart on display here as Peter is sharing his faith to an audience that's like, knows the truth, but hates it. So as you're sharing your faith, you know, it's good to like have the, the theological word is apologetics, like giving a reasoned, thoughtful, logical answer for the hope that you have, 1 Peter 3.15. That's really, really good. And you can, you can go like two clicks away right now. I could just rattle it off with my phone, you know, the, the rock-solid evidence for why Jesus is risen from the dead. It's the only plausible explanation. It really is. But people can look at that and just go, yeah, you might be right, but I don't want it. And then maybe it's like, that's where you have to ask the hard question. Why is it that you don't want it? What is it that you desire that's in competition with that news? One example might be personal autonomy. And then, well, all right, so let's have a talk about personal autonomy. Why is that so important to you? Why is being in control of your own life so important to you? Is that working out for you? How is that working out for you? 
You see what I'm saying? That's more at the heart level. Both are important. The head and the heart are very important. In my experience, most people never become a Christian until it's at the heart level. Where I see that Jesus is, is going to have something to say about my idolatry and I'm willing to lay those idols down because I see that Jesus is better. And, and that's, that's a miracle of conversion. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't control that process, but you can do what Peter does here and just simply be bold in sharing it and walk with that person. This is a really important aspect as we think about boldness in sharing our faith is the condition of the human heart. It's not always what you think, but what you desire. Let's keep going. Verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But here's the response. They get some resistance. Verse 18 is resistance. And here's spirit-filled boldness. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So remember what I said about Peter? He was a mess before the resurrection, before the filling of the Spirit. Before the resurrection, before Jesus was crucified, Jesus, uh, Peter, he's running scared. In, in the face of the same kind of men, some of the same men that are here, he's, he's like, I'm out. Too scary. And, and do we blame him? Post-resurrection and the filling of the Spirit, different Peter. Different Peter. They are resurrection-convinced, spirit-filled believers. They say, do what you want, but the message will continue to be shared. Sorry, obedience to God is more important than obedience to you. Spirit-filled, resurrection-focused, boldness in evangelism brings about resistance and a conversion response. Now let's see how this wraps up. Verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported to the chief priests and the elders, and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, quote in Old Testament now, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, now look at how they pray here. So what, what do we have? We've got persecution, boldness, 
and then they're going to pray. Okay, persecution, boldness, and then we got to pray about all that's happened. And look at how they pray. They review their past, right? That's verse 27. Uh, what happened to Jesus? He was put to death by, by, by Herod and Pontius Pilate. God ordained it. Look at what it says. Had predestined to take place, verse 28. Like, God, this is what you've done in the past. And this is now what we want you to do in the future. Check out, check out how they pray. In light of the past, they're praying for the future. It's a great model. Verse 29. And now, as we move into the future, God, here's what we want you to do. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. And here's what we want. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Notice that they don't pray, Lord, no more prison time. Lord, would you please just not send our leaders to prison? That's not what they pray. They're just praying for more boldness. Isn't that fascinating? And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And what else? Miracles. Lord, would you do miracles? While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And look at what happens after they pray this prayer. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled. There it is again. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at it. Verse 31. And continued. This is what happens. Continued to speak the word of God with. There it is. There's our word again. Boldness. Filling of the Spirit. Boldness. Continues to be a theme. They ask God to give them boldness and for miracles to be done in, in Jesus' name. And, and it says that God answered that prayer right there. Look at it again in verse 31. The place, when, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was, was shaken. I don't know what that means. I wish I knew what that means. Sounds like something supernatural. Sounds like a miracle of some sort. And they were all filled. So God gave them what they asked for. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak with boldness. God, the text testifies that God answered that prayer immediately. Spirit-filled, resurrection-focused, boldness in evangelism brings about resistance and a conversion response. So let me close with this. When, when there is resistance to you sharing of your faith... And there always is resistance. There always will be. It's okay. Let's take our cues from these first followers here. Like there's a gold mine for us here in our discipleship. Like what do they pray for? Let's look at it again. When there's fierce resistance, they pray for not safety, not comfort, not ease. Not for a healthy church budget. You know what I mean? It's not that those things are necessarily bad to pray for in a certain time and place, but that's not the emphasis here. The emphasis is, in light of these threats, in light of this heat, in light of pastor going to prison, let's just keep being bold. 
Because staying out of jail isn't the ultimate priority. Jesus is the ultimate priority. Making disciples is the ultimate priority. See that? And they ask for miracles that, that are going to convince some. Obviously, in light of what our text for today, it's not going to convince everybody. Because it's not just about what you think, it's about what you desire. But like a lot of us, when we, when we hear sermons, and I'm, I include myself in this 100%, you hear a sermon on evangelism, and you walk out just feeling guilty. Because nobody does evangelism as we should. No one boldly shares their faith as we should, right? What if we started praying on repeat, though, like this? Instead of just, like, beating yourself up, just start praying on repeat. Just this, real simple. Lord, would you give us boldness? Would you give me boldness to share and give miracles to accompany that that would convince some? Because from this text, it seems like when people pray like this, God loves to answer that prayer. Like God loves to answer prayers that are in accordance with his will. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's the, the precursor, what's the result? Ask whatever you wish and it will be given unto you. So if you're abiding in Christ, you're going to have God's will all over your brain, all over your prayers, and he loves to answer those things that are in accordance with his will, like, Lord, we want more boldness. Lord, would you give miracles that are going to convince some, like we see in this text? So maybe that's the action point for today. I'd commend it to you. I I preached the same sermon at the Vine like three weeks ago, and and I saw God answer this prayer in a context where I hang out with unbelievers a lot. Just two opportunities the next day, boom. And it wasn't like revival broke out like here, but it it was a form of evangelism. I think you might experience the same thing. And evangelistic strategies are great. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. But maybe this is the first one. Just going to the Lord in prayer and asking for more boldness, more filling of of his spirit that would lead to more sharing and maybe some miracles that would accompany that. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I've never done a miracle, but I believe this text and I'm willing to ask for it and the Lord can do whatever he wants in his sovereignty. And And I think... In light of this word, in light of the character of God and the promises of God in the text, that when we pray like that on repeat, we might start to see more results. And he gets the glory and we get the joy. Here's the point for today. Spirit-filled, resurrection-focused, boldness and evangelism brings about resistance and a conversion response. Let's pray for more of it. Let's pray that together right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that's so instructive to us this morning. Thank you so much for this church and the faithfulness that is represented here. Heavenly Father, I pray that um, by your spirit even right now that you would empower us to pray this way, to be bold this way, um, to not be afraid of consequences, but that we would love you so much and we would love people so much And we love the truth so much that that this would be who we are. We ask for more filling of your spirit. We ask for more boldness. We ask for miracles that would convince some. Um, 
Lord, would you help us? We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.